0: Welcome to the Glasgow Baptist Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Erdie Carter. We want to help you apply biblical truth to your daily life. Well, if you take your Bibles and go with me to Titus chapter 1, Titus chapter 1, I don't know if you noticed as I came up on the platform a few minutes ago, I had this group of men who came behind me. They're a good-looking group, are they not? Let's try that again. <laughs> they are a good group, uh, a good-looking group of men, are they not? Amen. Amen. Yes. And so they're going to lead you in special music today, Greg. Y'all ready? If you notice, they all got their heads down like they're not sure what they're about to do because they don't know what they're going to do. But they know, they, they, they didn't know they were coming up until yesterday afternoon when they got a call. Uh, today, I want to preach from First Titus uh, 5 uh, through 9, and it's on godly leadership. And so I called them yesterday and said, hey, here's what I want you to do. I'm inviting all our deacons and our staff, JJ's upstairs, uh, and so Greg's here. Uh, and in fact, all our deacons are here except two. Chris is at the booth. And so he's, he's uh, kind of having to, he, he's making me sound good. Uh, he can't make me look good, but he can make me sound good. And, uh, and then one other couldn't be here today, but the rest of them are here. And so I asked them to be here today because when we talk about godly leadership, I wanted you to see them because in July we have a new deacon rotation. And so uh, July is that time of, of year for us that... That deacons uh, uh, rotate, and and we've just come through a deacon uh, year, and and Mitchell Nance has been our deacon chair for this past year, and has done a phenomenal job leading us in that time during COVID and things. And now Charles Townsend, Charles, stand up for me. Charles will be our new deacon chair, and so if you've got issues, no, I'm just kidding. We won't have any issues. <laughs> won't be any issues you don't need to call charles (laughs) Uh, but uh, this will be charles's first time leading as our deacon chair here at glasgow baptist he's been a deacon chair uh in another church he and Rhonda came back several years ago he served as a deacon in our church for several years and so this morning i want us to look there but i want you to see these men because this morning and i want them to hear this message as well because this morning as we talk about godly leadership Many of you embody what this message is about. And many of you embody what this message is about. But it's important for us as a church. We're in this series, A Healthy Church, in the book of Titus. Now, a year ago in May, May of 2020, we went through Titus and talked about a gospel-centered person and coming into this series i wanted to come back to titus because i wanted us to look at what a healthy church is because we're coming out of a pandemic we're coming out of a out of a a time in which life needs to change because of the pandemic but the gospel is as important as ever at the moment to go forward and so as I was wrestling with where do we go, what do we do, how do we help move the church, how do, we, how do we go forward, I kept coming back and thinking about Titus. And I said, we've just got to look at Titus. And so this morning as we look at chapter 1 of Titus of 5 through 9, we talk about godly leadership. Now, you may have heard this statement, and I, I think it's a true statement. Everything rises and falls on leadership. I don't know if you believe that, if that's something you, you believe, but I truly believe that. Uh, growing up, I've been a- around leaders all my life, I've been involved in leadership. I-, I have seen good leadership and I have seen bad leadership. I have. I have worked for men who, who were great leaders, and when they talked and rallied their employees, we would have charged through a block wall to go sell a tire. And you think, why? Because that leader knew how to motivate, challenge, and get us to go. And then I've worked for leaders who didn't know how to motivate anybody. The only thing they were concerned about was themselves. How to make, they were were greedy if you just want to know the truth. They were greedy and not all were about making money for themselves because some of them worked for a corporation and so it wasn't about putting money in their pocket as much as it was making a name for themselves and moving up a ladder. Some people just think, prestige and and what I have learned over the years is success rises and falls on leadership and the same happens in the church I mean go to the Old Testament if we read the Old Testament if you've studied any in the Old Testament you can watch kings and leaders and those who put everything in their basket on themselves fail Oh, they may be successful for a little bit, but they they fail. But those who put it all on the shoulders of God, not worrying about what they gain out of it, succeed. So I think leadership is key to the church. And so this morning, men, I want to say thank you for your leadership. Many of you have served this church for, well, I don't remember when Noah, but Frank, you've been here a long time. Mitchell, you've served a long time. Uh, let uh, just so we all know, the uh, longest deacon who served here the longest time, Frank, was that you? I guess so. well, how long have you served as a deacon? I was ordained in 1960. 1960. We got one to beat that. Mitchell, when were you ordained? 80. There's somebody close to Frank, though, isn't there? I thought. Maybe not, sir. When were you ordained? Now, you weren't ordained here, but... 67. 67? Marshall, when were you ordained? Uh, I think 37. 37? <laughs> <laughs> so take your Bibles and go with me at First Titus. <laughs> My, I might have, I might regret having them sit behind me. <laughs> it's been a long time. If they throw something at me, would you tell me? So, yeah. so t- take your Bibles. We're going to be at First, First uh, at Titus chapter one. As we look at this at this text, I want you to see this theme of leadership, because Paul, as I told you last week, establishes the church. It's an island, 46 miles, island. It's a port city. They've got, they've got several ports here. Um, a lot of trade happens in this island, about five or six ports in this 146 miles. But it's not an island you want to go vacation at. It's certainly isn't one, parents, you wouldn't send your, your kids off to do spring break at because it's an island where men are corrupt, uh, they're dirty, they're violent. And sexual misconduct is all over the place. And so Paul establishes a church here. He sees power in this community and why it needs to be established. He evangelizes the congregation. He reaches them. But he doesn't stay long enough to to establish healthy, a healthy church. In fact there's the, I told you last week that one of the things they brag about is Zeus being their God. One of the things I failed to mention and Paul tells Titus this in in, in, chapter, in verse two of chapter one that God is a God who cannot lie Zeus they, they laughed about was a, was a God who was underhanded, tricked people. and the people of Crete used to tell those stories and they laughed about how Zeus would would trick people. Paul would remind Titus that God cannot lie. Our God is a God who can be trusted. In fact, there was a saying, if you were a Cretan, you were a liar. And so, what has happened is as Paul has evangelized this church, people have come. So stand with me as we read the first verse. Verses here, nine, uh, five through nine. The reason I left you in Crete was to set right what was left undone. As I directed you to appoint elders in every town, and the elder must be blameless, the husband of one wife, with faithful children who are not uh, accustomed to wildness or rebellion an overseer of God's household. He must be blameless, not arrogant, not hot-tempered, not an excessive drinker, not a bully, not greedy for money, but hospitable, loving what is good, sensible, righteous, Holy, self-controlled, holding to the faith or holding to the faithful message as taught so that he will be able both to encourage with sound teaching and to refute those who contact it. You may be seated. So Paul sets this up, tells him they need leaders. Here's the big idea I want you to catch this morning. Healthy churches require blameless leaders who are not afraid about the gospel business. Catch that. Healthy churches require blameless leaders who are not afraid to be about the gospel business. Amen? That's what we have to have. And so, give you three things that we're going to catch out of this passage and we'll unpack them. Uh, First, we're going to find healthy leaders. We're going to have to get to a point where we we see godly leaders. Uh, When we think about the church needing leaders when Paul leaves they're they're begging for leadership in this community there were were people who were all over the place longing for leaders because Paul had had established the church, he had established it and, and they were evangelized and they knew Jesus Christ but in the community there were people who knew Jesus and were trying to follow him but then there were people of of Zeus who were coming in and trying to, to do the things that, that the way Zeus would have taught them and then there were people in the middle who were trying to follow Jesus but yet that yet I keep falling back into this way and I think maybe we're supposed to do a little bit of both. When I grew up one of the things we used to do at the ballpark after every game we went to win or lose When the coach said, okay guys, we're done, he dismissed us and we all ran to the concession stand and got a Coke, got a free drink. Now, I don't know if the ballpark gave them to us for free, the coach paid for them, a parent paid for them, I didn't care, just wanted my free drink. And Crete was much like this free drink because when we got there, all the boys lined up and most of us ordered this drink called the suicide drink. And it was tasted just about like it sounds. Because what we would do is say, we'd walk up to the window and go, give me a suicide. Anybody know what the suicide is? Yeah, a few of you know what it is. Some of you are cultured enough to know that. The rest of them, I'm about to tell you what it is. Suicide drink is where you tell them, I want a suicide, and they're going to give you a little bit of everything in whatever it is. If it's Coke, it's all the Coke products there is. From the Coke, the Cherry Coke, the limeade, the, the orange, the grape, the, will you pick it. If there were six flavors, we got all six. And I promise you, it tasted terrible. And we'd all stand out there like we were big stuff, swallowing that stuff and just begging it for it to be over with. But that's what the church was like. You see, when you get that kind of people in the church, all different views coming together, it's a suicide mission. Paul says, I, I've put you here, Titus, because we've got to find leaders. And I praise God for these men. And many of them, or all of them, everyone on this platform has served. In my 10 years, they've served as a deacon uh, more than, more than once, and there, there are men who have prayed with me, prayed for you, who 've walked in, through some honest conversations about how we move forward as a church, who, I can honestly tell you, want what God wants for this place, and i 'm grateful for their leadership. Because we live in a culture, we must understand we live in a culture, much like Crete, that's got, got a lot of different views. You step outside these walls, and there are tons of different views. There are different views on what family should look like. What marriage looks like. How, hey, hey, if you don't believe me, go ask... Go ask today at lunch how to raise a child. Different views. And so, where do we find our truth? Where do we find how to do that? We find it from God's word. And so, as a church, we have to have strong, godly leadership. Now, you're going, okay, pastor, this text is about elders and overseers. And I'll give you that. And we have deacons on the platform. And I should have said this a few minutes ago. When you look at elders and overseers, or you can look at the other words that the New Testament uses, uh, bishops or pastors, you look at those, those moral descriptions that Paul uses in 1 Timothy 3, Every moral description that Paul uses for an elder, an overseer, a bishop, a pastor, is the same moral description he uses for a deacon. They're one and the same. No moral description does he use that a a pastor should be behaving, that a deacon should be doing. So, if, if the pastor should be doing it, A deacon should be doing it, and vice versa. Now, I will say this Paul's not giving a full list of exact moral descriptions. So it's not like he says, This is it. If you only keep this list, you're good. This is not an exhaustive list. And just because he doesn't say it, doesn't mean we can get by with it. For example, nowhere in Scripture does Paul say, You can't smoke pot. Okay? But we know the scripture teaches us that the body is the temple of God. And so that means we shouldn't do it. All right? (laughs) Thank you there, menace. I appreciate that. (laughs) A little nervous. only got one, but I appreciate the one. (laughs) You, You see what I'm getting at? It's not an exhausted list. But what it is for the pastor, it is for the deacon. And I'll be honest, it should be for you too. You should want to live up to that standard. You should want to have that high moral standard for yourself. And so, Paul sets out and he says, I need, Titus, you to find leaders. But he doesn't need just leaders. He needs, the second thing we find in this text, blameless leaders. Catch that blameless leaders. Look at verses 6 and 7. Notice what he says. He says it twice. He uses this word blameless twice. He says an elder must be what church? Blameless. Blameless. The husband of one wife. Faithful children. Then jump down to verse 7. An elder, an overseer of of the of God's household must be what? Blameless, blameless. Now, if you live with children or teenagers, you know that they're blameless, right? They never do anything wrong. Amen, parents. I mean, your your children have they've never done it. It's always somebody else's fault. It wasn't me. In fact. I want you to watch this commercial. Helps me with this idea. Did you tell my Cheetos again? Just tell him it wasn't you. But I caught you at the counter. Wasn't me. Saw you slacking on the sofa. Wasn't me. You even had him in the shower. It wasn't me. I even caught you on camera. Access to your snacks. Don't talk surprised that she sleep behind your back. You gotta keep tabs before she emptied up, but let's review the situation. Orange fingers, red blood to keep you on stuff. You gotta hide it better. If she asks where they are, you say forget to never admit to a word. And please don't upset her. And if she keep on snacking I guess you'll let her. Well, did you? It wasn't me. Oh. Okay. Well, that's the first time that's ever worked. Oh, let's be honest, parents. Any, t- any parent ever said that fell for it, that wasn't me. I mean, w- we hear that story all the time. Was it me? Y- you know? Uh, I didn't do it. It's somebody else's fault. Every time I see that, that Cheetos commercial, I, you know, of course, Cheetos is... I, I can't get away with that statement because my son even points me out in the house. I get caught with Cheetos all the time. Anyways, um, but we know blameless in that regard. But there was a different time and a different age when blameless meant a completely different way. Blameless used to mean how others saw you. In other words, it was what they saw, that, they, that the meaning was they found no wrong in you. In other words, that your actions matched your faith. Your actions, there was nothing about your actions that, that, that didn't go with how you believed in God. You were blameless in that what you said matched your, your faith in God. And so Paul says, you need leaders who are blameless in, their, in the way they live their life. That their faith matches how they live their life. And catch that. It's about what others say. Not about what you claim. Because here's the thing. If you ask a hundred people, if you ask a hundred people about their life and how they are, they will always make themselves out to be better than they really are. They will always make themselves better. I promise you, you get a phone call and people ask you, how you doing? You always tell them that you're better than you really are. You do it. You never tell us, we don't ever tell people the truth. It's what others see. That's the thing. Paul tells us this in in, uh, Timothy 3, 7. It says, Furthermore, he must have a good reputation among outsiders so that he does not fall into disgrace and the devil's trap. Catch that. A good reputation among outsiders. What does others say about you? Are you blameless? Do others see you that way or are they see you as someone who is one person on Sunday and another person on Monday last thing I want you to catch out of this text Paul tells Titus I need you to find leaders they need to be blameless leaders and then they need to be gospel leaders gospel leaders verse 8 and 9 says but Here's how they need to be. They need to be hospitable, loving, what is good, sensible, righteous, holy, self-controlled, holding to the faithful message as taught so that he will be able to encourage. Catch that. Encourage with sound teaching and refute those who contradict it. So there's two pieces of that. You need to be able to speak the gospel, but you need to be able to to stand up for the gospel. These men behind me, they 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 love the gospel and they share the gospel. They desire the gospel to go forth. And let me back up and say this about them I should say this about blameless blameless is not sinless catch that blameless is not sinless these men behind me are not without sin if you don't believe me ask their wives amen wives amen yeah, I figured I'd get what I'm saying, man. You know. It just means that they, their reputation, their reputation means that they do things with honor. That they do things that, that their, their walk matches their faith. It means that they live that, that walk. It means if you do business with Marshall Bailey, well, let me back up. If you do business with Patty Bailey, she she will do what she says she does. I shouldn't abuse Marshall as an example. No, I'm just kidding. Marshall is a guy who's blameless, and let me tell you why I know that. I've watched Marshall. I've watched Marshall love on people. With the biggest heart. In fact. and I'll say this about Marshall. I can say something about every one of these men up here. But I'll say this about Marshall. Marshall's probably got the biggest heart of the men up here. He does a lot to help people. And doesn't want anybody to know. He weeps for people. Prays for people and cares for people Marshall I love you for your heart I love you the way you way you care I've never watched Marshall try to get over on anybody I have watched him give his coat off his back to help somebody that's a person who you call blameless. He walks what he talks. Now let me go back to the gospel. got to be gospel focused. When you're gospel focused, it means that you're going to proclaim the gospel as you go. These men want to do that. These men want to To share the gospel as they go. And they do that in a variety of ways. Some of them own businesses. And some of them through their business work to do that. Some of them do it quietly. Some of them do it more publicly. All of them want to see the gospel move forward in this church. That's what godly leaders do. That's what makes the church successful. As Glasgow Baptist Church several years ago. We rethought what our purposes and values were we came up with five thoughts that we needed to be about first is we need to connect with believers we need to be about connecting with one another building one another up encouraging one another fellowshipping with one another we do that very well in fact if you've ever been a part of one of our uh, uh, fellowship meals you know we're, we're a group of people who love to have fun connect with people we'd love for you to hang around and get to know us um, we think it's, we grow better when we're, when we're in smaller groups than we are in this room. The second thing is we grow in Christ-likeness. It's important for us to grow in Christ-likeness. Uh, that's why we do Sunday school. That's why we have Bible study groups. That's why we try to do small groups is to grow. And we, we do that well. We, we have lots of small group classes. Uh, serve. Uh, we've got more opportunities for you to serve in different ways. And you go, well, I'm looking for this opportunity. We may find a place for you to do that. Uh, looking for opportunities to serve. We have places for people uh, to serve in tech, to serve in music, to serve, to serve in children, to serve uh, cooking. We, we've got places for people to serve all over. Then we have the opportunity to exalt Jesus. And we do that right here every Sunday. We, we want to come together as the body of faith for one opportunity a week as one large group and just sing praises and exalt his name. You know, it's not his job to exalt himself. It's our job to exalt him. That's not his job. That's our job. And so we gather together to exalt Christ. But do you know where most churches and we're in that boat struggle? is to proclaim God's grace. And let me tell you, let me, let me help you figure this out. Let me tell you how, you can tell, you can tell me how well we're doing by answering this question yourself. When's the last time you led somebody outside your immediate family to Christ? You answer that question and then that'll help you understand how well the church does there. Because oftentimes we come to this place and we think that's the pastor's job or that's the deacon's jobs. When there's nothing in scripture that says that's their job. Somewhere along the lines, we bought into the idea that, that, well, I don't have that gift. Guess what? There is the gift of evangelism, and there are people who have it. We call those people Billy Graham. We call them evangelists. But that doesn't excuse the rest of us from sharing the gospel. Because we've all been told to go and tell. We've all been called to go to our Jerusalems, Judeas, and to the ends of the earth. And so... The church needs godly leaders. And here's the thing. These men, I'm grateful for them. Their hearts and their service. And I'm excited about their year of service. Uh, some, of them, this, some of them will rotate off in a year. Some of them are just coming on. They've got three and some of them are in the middle. They'll, they'll serve you well as deacons. And they serve in a variety of roles. They have... They have roles of nursing homes and hospitals. And and as as a deacon, as you look at Scripture, you see that their roles are to help in those areas of ministry for the church. They'll be about doing those ministries and serving and helping alongside the staff. But you know what? They're not the only godly leaders our church needs. Our church needs you. Our church needs every one of you. I don't know, somewhere along the line, somebody may have come along and told you you're not worth it. Nobody needs you or you're not good enough. I'm here to tell you that's not what Scripture teaches. In fact, Scripture teaches just the opposite. If you look at the disciples, those were the the people that... The world would have said you're no good. But Jesus said come follow me. Several years ago there was a young man. Who you've probably heard this story. But he was in a, in a choir. He went to audition in the, in the Catholic choir. And the choir master told him. Son I'm sorry. You just don't have the voice. You can't make the choir. He hung his head and walked out of the choir. He later met a friend. His friend was living with his grandmother, Mimi. His friend just kept picking some strings on a guitar, and after school every day he 'd go in and pick those strings, and she kept trying to get him to do something else, learn something else says you're never going to make a living picking that guitar but the world would say John McCarthy and John Lennon did all right and after John Lennon made his first million he gave Mimi his her a silver plaque with that saying you're never going to make a living on that silver plaque I love that story because it reminds me that Don't ever let anybody tell you you can't do something. I wanna remind you, everybody is a leader. Somebody asked me not long ago, how do you define leadership? I tell people everybody's a leader if somebody's following. So here's the question for you. Who's following you? If you're a grandparent, your grandchildren follow you. What example do you set? Well, we don't go to church when you're in town. Grandparents, do they ever see you pray? I don't mean just pray at a meal, but pray. Do they ever see you open your Bible and study God's Word? Do they ever see you worship? You see, sometimes I think we teach our children and our grandchildren bad theology because when we're with them, we don't ever do that. Do we really want to be that kind of a leader? Trust me, they follow. They pick up. I'm looking for my son because he sometimes follows my example. Well, there he is. He just walked in. Follows my example driving, and my wife reminds me that's not always the best idea. They do watch. They do pay attention. What kind of leader? Here's what I do know. The church needs you. God needs you. If you're here this morning and you've never confessed Christ, the first thing God needs you to do is recognize he's the answer. He's the reason. This morning, would you come to know him? There's no secret handshake. There's no special thing. It's about confessing that you are a sinner in need of salvation. It's about coming and trusting Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. It's about knowing that God died or God sent his son to this earth to die on a cross for you. And then on the third day, he rose. It's about believing God loves you, that he sent his one and only son. That's the first step. The second step is following and obedience. So, if you're here this morning and you don't know Christ, would you take that first step? If you're here and you followed Christ, maybe it's time for you to get off your, your, your butt in the meaning of, I can't do that, but I need to do this. Get off that, that butt and start doing what God calls you to do. And do what he leads you to do. Would you stand with me this morning?